Uh, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week in Review podcast for Friday, May 22nd, Memorial Day weekend. On this week's edition, we're going to talk about rising COVID numbers in Arkansas, the pandemic unemployment assistance website debacle, down between Governor Hutchinson's executive branch and legislators, and the latest on the Literat Police Department. I'm joined as usual by Max Brantley. Afternoon. So how's it going? Oh, you know, it's getting a little boring. It's getting a little tiresome. But how's the puppy? Well, you know, she's not uh, she's not housebroken yet. That's it's kind of a it kind of is a, a distraction to try and chase her all the time. But other than but she's very cute. She's sweet. Okay. All right. Well, this was a uh, no good, very bad week for Governor Hutchinson. Um, the, I guess the, the biggest headline is that Arkansas had the, by far the biggest one day case increase and numbers all around seem to be rising. Uh, the governor is still moving full steam ahead to get Arkansas's economy going again. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, the fact is we had our biggest one day jump yesterday and we had another whopping jump today. I mean, we still don't have anything like the big states like New York, but it's the curve is upward, period. And and I thought an interesting number today was as we've reached today a new peak in the number of positive people under treatment. It's like 1,400 people are, are being treated for the, the disease. So, you know, I mean, that is not people who are over, not people who are asymptomatic. These are people that are sick. And, you know, I, I think... I thought the governor was asked a pretty good question by somebody at the news conference yesterday. They'd had somebody to stand up and talk about, be aware of this immunal, immuno disease, inflammatory disease that children can suffer related to the coronavirus. And they talked about a record number of cases and they talked about other problems. And, you know, there are clearly problems that are occurring in the community and they're happening in, in group settings, group work settings. And, how would you feel about sending your kid to camp this summer, which yeah, they, not, just, opened, not which gonna, they just opened up? And uh, the governor said, well, you know, th- these are hard decisions, and some people may not want to do it, but by golly, we just got to open up. And it's it's really just a slightly more responsible version of what Trump is saying, which is Trump is kind of saying, "Who who's afraid of the coronavirus? I'm taking this crappy malarial drug. I'm not worried, but... But, you know, Ace is saying, oh, we've got to socially distance. We've got to be careful in, in terms of summer camps and, and high school sports and swimming pools and bars and everything else they've opened up. They they have all these many rules. But, for example, uh, youth sports aren't supposed to start till what, June the 1st, next week? I was in Alsa Park last night, and there were a lot of kids playing softball, and the parents were sitting right butt to butt in the bleachers watching them play, and I thought one of the most telling items I've seen in a way was our little story about La Hacienda restaurant in Benton, which said, okay, we're going to open up under the rules, one third capacity and wear a mask. And they, they couldn't make anybody wear a mask who came to eat. I mean, I guess everybody in Saline County is, is uh, Superman and immune from disease. And La, La Hacienda said, screw this. We're going back to curbside delivery only. We can't make our customers behave. Even the governor of the news conference this week said he went out to restaurants and said they were just doing everything right 
but a bunch of the people in there were laughing and yucking and not wearing masks. And he said it was kind of embarrassing and asked the, the, the people, why don't you make them put their mask on? And well, easy to say, hard to do, you know? And, and I, I just think the governor wittingly or unwittingly has tried to strike a balance that just doesn't work. You can't say on the one hand, it's safe to jump in a swimming pool with a bunch of kids in diapers and it's safe to go to a summer camp with a hundred kids and it's safe to play youth baseball and yell at the umpire, but you got to be real careful about it. People are just saying, screw it. I'm, I'm done. I've had enough. My life is returning to normal. Well, we'll see. Governor also made a trip to the white house this week. And I thought it was, you know, of course, I mean, my view is always jaundiced on these things, but he was clearly there to be a show pony for Donald Trump. And he was on display as a guy who said, we never really shut down. And not only that, but we're moving back into it. We got a low rate infection. And there you go. Of course, I I really parted company with him because Trump tried to get him to endorse his view that mail voting is a terrible thing. And and Asa just kind of, I mean, well, he just, I thought he embarrassed himself. I mean, he, he, first of all, he said, yeah, we, we can't have this mail absentee voting. It's just, you know, not safe. We've got to have person-to-person identification. Well, then he later had to say, well, I didn't really mean absentee voting. I mean, we need to have early voting, which is where you go to a poll. And that's not absentee voting, and it's, it's already no excuse. I mean, it's nothing. It's meaningless. And then Greg Letting put together today this great Twitter thread that assembled a number of times where Asa Hutchinson said flatly, I'll, we will have no excuse absentee voting in November, including said it on video, recorded in precisely those terms, and it's on the web. You can watch him say it. So he got asked about it again today after being asked by Leslie Peacock about it yesterday, and he's clearly getting perturbed about it. And he said, oh, there's no inconsistency in what I've said, and but he's still saying that I'm not ready to say we'll do it in November. So... He said one time we will, and he still won't say we will. And he said there'll be a lot of work we'd have to do to do it. And yeah, no kidding. Then we need to start planning to do it now. I, I, I think he's just bought the Trump line and knows that he needs to stay friendly with Trump. And so he said as close as he could say to agreeing with Trump without just utterly looking like an idiot. Because after all, he did approve no absentee voting in the March primary. He embarrassed himself at his news conference yesterday by saying, did I do that? Really? Well, yeah, you signed the executive order. Of course you did that and talked about it several times. But, I, I you know, he'll, I should shut up. He'll get away with it. So, uh, But I, I was told yesterday by Susan Inman, who used to work in the Secretary of State's Office of Elections with Classy Election Coordinator. Number one, she agrees with me. Although you have to sign a statement that you're unavoidably absent from the polls. That's all you have to do is, is say that. You don't have to give a specific reason. And I think there's going to be massive absentee voting. And if, and if some Republican tried to disqualify people who said, like me, I'm 70 years old, I've got an irregular heartbeat, I'm not going to go line up with a bunch of people to vote, I'm going to vote absentee. If they tried to say I'm unavoidable, I, that doesn't qualify as being unavoidably absent, they're going to have a lawsuit on their hands. That, that's, all, that's all I'll say about that. Uh, the, of course, other big story this week, or there were many big stories, but uh, it was something we hinted at at the podcast last week, and that was news that we broke uh, on Friday that the um, pandemic unemployment assistance website, long delayed um, in, in launching, had a um, 
uh, significant security vulnerability that an applicant who was a computer programmer discovered, tried to uh, alert two state agencies. And when he didn't get a uh, quick response, he turned to us. Uh, we, we verified it and, and re reported on it. And then the state immediately took it down. Uh, it stayed down until, was it Monday? Wednesday? Wednesday? I can't four. remember. Yeah, it was four, I think about four days, maybe. Um, so maybe maybe Tuesday it came back up. It's, it's and, and in fact, they have, it is working now. And I, I got my first confirmation today that what the governor said his news conference was true, that the checks have been received by some applicants. Um, and we, we've gotten word that the state is sending out notice to, to applicants that, uh, that at least in the initial uh, investigation, there doesn't seem to be a, a significant breach where, you know, some bad actors gotten a hold of the information and sold it to the Russians. No, when you read between the lines of, of the governor's evolving statements on this during the week, beginning with his initial one, which he basically accused the whistleblower of being a criminal, to now, and including in the terms of this letter that we have a copy of notifying somebody they can get some credit insurance at no cost, they more or less depicted as what our guy depicted it as was he discovered this flaw. And yeah, I mean, he saw some open information, but he didn't download it or wasn't trying to use it. And, and they pretty well concede that it's, that it's possible. And in fact, listen, we know a couple of people got a glimpse of somebody's name on the website. Uh, but, the, the larger question is, was it systematically downloaded? Was it used for nefarious purpose? And I, I read between the lines that what they found so far is that's not the case. And I hope, of course, that's not the case. And, well, that, sure. this was a lim and that this was a limited thing and that, that our guy discovered it early before something terrible happened. That's a great thing. And yeah. they ought to give the guy a medal if that's how it turns out. Uh, Absolutely. But, but instead, by painting his actions as potentially criminal and then uh, you know, an FBI investigation into it, which I, I guess is absolutely appropriate. Um, this this person who I think has rightly been described as a, a whistleblower, a good Samaritan, has been sweating it out for the last week. No, I'm sure he's scared to death. Wandering from the FBI. Because listen, Ace Hutchinson is nothing if not vindictive. If he can get even, he'll get even with somebody that's caused him embarrassment. But he did, he, he, you know, he did say something to the effect today that security was the main issue and somebody tried to say, get him to say something about the criminal aspect. And he said, we just don't know what it is till it's all over with yet. And he's, 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 he's moderated his statement somewhat, but, but still, but here's, but, and, and he did say one thing yesterday. He, he said, I'm not gonna say the, the person who looked was the problem. Clearly we had a flawed website and, and the fact that, I mean, obviously that's true and that's, it shouldn't need to be said, but at least he did say it. That is the first thing we got substandard work on this. Although we now know this wasn't the only time this happened in the United States. It's apparently happened in multiple States. It's a product of haste. And, and, you know, I'm also interested and in, like to know more about it as you just wonder if, 
somebody picked up some cookie cutter program somewhere and didn't really develop it, but just kind of copied it and pasted it somewhere. And that that's part of the problem, but, but who knows? Yeah, well, that, that's a good segue into our third topic. And that is uh, the state legislature's unhappiness with governor Hutchinson. Uh, yesterday, the uh, House and Senate uh, state agencies committees and governmental affairs committees held a joint session, uh, a joint meeting, and uh, Dorley Chandler, the executive director of the Alcohol Beverage Control uh, Division, was supposed to be there to talk about the handling of the Temple Live permit, uh, where the state removed the permit, and then uh, Secretary of Commerce Mike Preston, who is overseeing the rollout of the PUA, was supposed to be there to answer questions about the delay and and PUA money going out. Arkansas is, I think, was the 38th maybe state to pay out and and its PUA program, and then to talk about website deficiencies. Neither showed uh, both uh, on. Uh, both because Governor Hutchinson told them not to, and legislators were really upset about it. Yeah, they were hot. And, and I don't blame them. You know, this here is another occasion where Asa Hutchinson a lot like Donald Trump. He's telling the legislative branch, screw you. Now, he, he, he backed off of it a little bit today by saying, well, they'll, they'll be testimony before the legislative council next week. And and they'll catch some of these same people going to be there and they're going to catch some heat for it. But it, it, it's not an excuse to say I'm too busy fixing this website to appear before your legislative committee. Mike Preston isn't doing the coding. I mean, come on, give me, give me a break. And, and I think Doralee Chandler was a slightly different issue. He, he said something in his news conference today that kind of made it sound like he just thought they were going to, it was going to be just really contentious with her and they were going to be mean to her basically. And here's the deal. She did what the governor told him to do. She jerked their permit, and, and it was so without due process, and it was so unconstitutional. I just don't think you can government can punish somebody before they've committed a crime. They absolutely could have jerked the permit if they'd have gone ahead with the concert in violation of the health guidelines. But I do not think you can say, well, you say you're going to do it, so we're taking your liquor permit. I, it's just, it's blatantly unconstitutional, I, I, my non-lawyer opinion is. And, and I don't think there was really any, and she's nominally a lawyer who, in fact, once ran for judge in Fogner County. And I just don't think there's a way in the world that she could have had very many good answers for that legislative committee. So just in terms of the embarrassment, and she's, by the way, not viewed as one of the best administrators that ever came along. But but, you know, it's it would have been a bad show. And so I, I don't know who the, who they'll send, but they're going to have to answer those questions. And I don't think. And he, this is another thing that Hudson sounded kind of mad about. It was like, by God, I mean, I shut him down and that's the way it went. And tough, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, he didn't distinguish himself. His administrators didn't distinguish himself. And and we just got another letter today about problems with the un the regular unemployment benefit system, which has had its own problems. I mean, Mike Preston brought, has gotten bonuses of fifty thousand dollars four years ago for his exemplary work, and it's a mystery to me why he's the governor's fair-haired boy because everything he touches turns to barnyard waste. It looks like to me. 
Well, there clearly has not been great investment into our, our systems that interface with people in need of assistance. So oh, and th this is, of course, the irony has been inescapable to dozens of people who know this is the coding state. This is the governor who's making his bones on leading the way in computer education. And we can't run a website for unemployed people. We can't we can't get checks out and are ready for business. We can't get a website run right on the ready for business grant program. We screwed up the uh, the work rule computer program for Medicaid people. We screwed up the computer algorithm for disabled people's health. I mean, I mean, if I'm a Silicon Valley uh, hedge fund investor, I don't think I'm looking to pour my money into Arkansas right now. Uh, the last thing I'll say about the legislative hearing is uh, that you know all of the the fighting was exciting and certainly newsworthy, but. Most of the meeting, you heard sort of crackpot theories from Republican legislators. On oh, yeah. I mean, I, I hate to say this committee was right because it was led by Trent Garner and Bob Ballinger. And enough, enough said, you know, but but sometimes blind hogs find acorns. And they had a, they had a couple of tasty ones here. All right, well, let's uh, let's move on to our final topic, and that's something we've talked about in recent weeks, uh, the turmoil within the Little Rock Police Department, uh, especially regarding Police Chief Keith Humphrey. Well, it's just turned into one big racial fight, uh, and you've got, with the exception of a couple of black police officers, black people on one side behind the mayor and the chief and a lot of white people on the other side who think the chief is incompetent and ought to go. Mayor Frank Scott, who was elected as a unifier, has finds himself in the position of contributing to a growing racial divide in Little Rock. Uh, he's His enemies are the Little Rock Fraternal Order of Police, which is overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly lives in the suburbs and doesn't live in primary in Little Rock that it supposedly patrols. And I'm no fan of the Little Rock Fraternal Order of Police, but the chief has has not been the most effective manager, and he's he's got some personal issues that have drawn attention. Uh, he's not popular on the force, and and the significant thing that's now occurred is is we now have four city directors on the record with very critical comments about the chief, Cappy Peck. Lance Hines, Joan Adcock, and Vice Mayor Brenda, uh, B.J. Wire. I think there are probably at least two and perhaps three directors who will back the chief among the, the ten. Of the other three, I'm reasonably confident there's negative feelings about the chief there. Uh, I think that there's a belief that there's more stuff yet to come in the media. For one thing, the Fraternal Order of Police is on the chief's butt, and they're digging up everything they can about him, and they know where he is at every minute and who he's hanging out with and who he's visiting at 6 a.m. in the morning. And and they, they also can record where he's he's let his temper show in managing the department. Uh, he's still got some, some hard feelings in the community over the Charlie Starks case. I mean, I you know, I everybody in the world thought that as bad as Charlie Starks was as an officer and how he'd screwed up a traffic stop that he shouldn't have been fired for what he did under the circumstances, but the chief fired him because 
everybody believes he was doing the mayor's bidding on it. Uh, the mayor says otherwise, but we, we just have a big mess. And, and I, I, I think what it's down to is Frank Scott is a very prideful guy and this is his pick. And he's told everybody who's asked him about it, that he's sticking with Keith Humphrey. And I think, uh, I think he may rue that day. Uh, you know, I just, uh, Humphrey, I mean, and, and Humphrey's gone out and done some new stuff. I mean, he wants to spend a bunch of money increasing the public relations arm of the police department. I mean, he's acting like Frank Scott, like his money grows on trees and we just need to hire more administrators. We've already taken four cops off the streets to guard, to drive the mayor around town and, 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 uh, and, and spent money on more public relations apparatus in the mayor's office. And now the chief wants to do the same kind of thing. I, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it doesn't send a good message to the people. And so I think, I think in general, this, any air of good feeling that the mayor does, and he had created cross boundary support in his election. And, and he said things that had a good ring, but he just hadn't delivered much by way of specifics. I'm afraid. And the, the chief is currently not looking like a good choice. So so the, but, the, mayor, the mayor announced uh, an independent investigation, details forthcoming, and uh, there's talk. Terrible idea. Any, any group appointed by him to review the chief will not be viewed as, as, a fair, as a fair arbiter because he's so firmly behind the chief. And the nature of his announcement for this independent review made it clear that he wants to do some looking at the rank and file in the police department. And he, he can... He can do that, and he can. And I, one of his issues is cultural. What is it? Cultural, not sensitivity. There's competency. competency. There's some. There's some phrase that's used. But what that means is, is racism on the police force. And yeah, you know, I think he can probably find some. But guess what? Unless he's going to go out and fire a couple of hundred of them, there's not much he can do about it. You know, except lead by example. And 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 what the example he's giving is, is that. He's kind of going to make decisions from one end of the racial spectrum against the other. And, boy, I, you know, I mean, one of his chief defenders, Marion Humphrey, a retired black judge, has said flatly he thinks this is because there are people on the police force who resent taking orders from a black man. And, you know, I think Marion Humphrey's correct. But that's not an argument you're going to persuade anybody with. It's just going to further divide people. And there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, again, unless you just fire the whole police force. And the police union is strong and their politics are terrible. And I have rarely had a good word to say about them. But, I mean, taking them on in this particular fight, I, I don't think it's a good idea. But, well, but we'll see. He's elected mayor and, and he's acting like a strong mayor, which is, I thought, the next mayor should be. And so we'll, he will... With, with that approach comes responsibility. If it, if it turns out good, you can bask in the, in the applause. And if it turns out bad, you got nobody else to blame. Several city directors have asked the Attorney General Leslie Rutledge to get involved. Yeah, and I don't quite get that. And, and I, I, you know, I guess she's got a public uh, integrity unit or something, which hadn't done much of anything. And better that she do that, I suppose, and travel around the country fighting right-wing causes, but I'm not, you know, I, anyway, I, that, that seems strange to me. And 
I think that's kind of a put up job by Chris Burks, the, the lawyer who's brought several lawsuits against the chief on behalf of some members of the force. And, and by the way, I don't think much of those lawsuits. I mean, I, I'm not defending Keith Humphrey when I say this is, is I, I have yet to see what seems to me a, a place to sue from over his treatment of these officers. I mean, because none of them have been demoted. None of them have lost pay. Uh, they've gotten some negative job evaluations, but you're not entitled to a positive one. And, uh, you know, I, I, but, but it's stirring the pot up, that's for sure. And they can't be ignored and they will, they will provide a means to discover evidence and, and record of what the chief has done or has not done. And so they're a problem. And, and he hadn't, he's contributed to his problems apparently by getting involved with somebody who, who applied for a high dollar job in the police department and made some, some, uh, I don't know. I want to say misrepresentation said some things on a job application that weren't strictly factual. And, and so it's just, it's just a problem. But I see that that woman now has a lawyer, Mike Lowe, who sued the police department before, and he's solidly in the camp of those who are, who are defending the chief. And so it's, uh, what it's not is unifying Little Rock. It's not doing that. That much I think I can say definitively without anybody <laughs> saying otherwise. All right. Well, let's leave it there and uh, see if we can unify our listeners with excellent uh, endorsements. What do you got? Oh, I got, you know, I don't know. I got nothing. I don't do anything. I don't go anywhere. <laughs> I collapse every night early. Okay, well, then I will stand in for both of us and recommend uh, the podcast Wind of Change. It's uh, it's new on Spotify. I think maybe you can listen to it on other platforms, but it's by Patrick Radden Keefe, the, uh, the New Yorker contributor who, who wrote the um, really popular book. I think it's called Say Anything about the Irish Troubles. Um and and a murder mystery case um i think i'm halfway through maybe two-thirds through but the 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 premise is uh, a a friend of his heard from a cia cia officer in like an off-the-record talk that the german uh rock band the scorpions um wrote the the song wind of change that was popular in the early 90s just before the fall of the berlin wall it's popular all over the world that the cia actually wrote that song and got yeah. got the scorpions to put it out uh, i suspect and i think that i've read somewhere that he's not gonna like a hundred percent slam dunk solve this mystery in the podcast so it has it has lots of um you know, twists and turns, and he, he, lots of welcome digressions uh, into CIA's involvement with popular culture and the era, and, you know, how CIA officers um, continue on uh, after they leave the agency and what they can say and what they can't say. It's just really fun, so I would. I'd oh, enjoy. that sounds that sounds great. I might even try that. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, it's could be good for your long walks. Yeah, I'm do. I'm still doing that. Oh, let, let me let me just put in a commercial plug. By the way, 
I had a broken back door lock and that I had to get it fixed. And so I called a, a locksmith and this guy, I, he was amazing. And if you ever need a locksmith called Perks Lock and Key, P-E-R-K apostrophe S, this guy was wonderful. And not only because he listens to my Facebook video every day and commented just very knowledgeably on all these issues and FOI and stuff. He was just great. So if you need a locksmith and he fixed this lock in like about three minutes, I think. And, and he said it was so easy. He didn't want to charge me. I said, don't be crazy. I'm paying, <laughs> you for, I'm paying you for doing this. It was just one, it was one of the greatest tradesman experiences I've ever had in my life. Perks lock and key. Remember that name. All right. Well, you came through with an endorsement. Okay. Well, uh, everybody have a safe and happy Memorial Day weekend. Stay away from people. Wear your masks. And we'll be back next week. See ya.